Welcome to the Fair Chase Podcast. It's like, yeah, it's going to be physically it's hard, suck, but, but it's just... also like the best. Later on, that's the story you tell. I got a new strategy. It's, you just go kind of lick your finger a little bit like this. Aim high, play the wind. And then you aim high, you play the wind. It's a new aiming technique that I'm working on. You brought this up. Yeah. It's because you had target panic so bad. Yeah, I didn't have it so bad. Before we jump into this episode, we have to thank a few companies that make this show possible. First up, Vortex Optics. We run their binoculars, spotting scopes, and uh, a lot of their clothes in their Vortex wear line. Quality hoodies. sweaters and hoodies, t-shirts, hats. Yep. Uh, you can save yourself 20% on that stuff. Buy. Ooh, it's a new code. The code TFC20. Check them out. Next up, Trophy Line. Trophy Line. No secret, we are saddle guys. We like to hunt in saddles, make the jokes if you want, but yep. they're super light, super effective, and we're big fans of Trophy Line. This year, we're going to be running the Mission Platform or the EDP Platform, EDP. depending, and uh, running the Covert Light. Yeah. Nice and light saddle. Lots of good adjustability on that. I feel comfortable walking with that thing out in the woods. Go yep. check this thing out. Use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on the next purchase. Next up, Prime the bow that got me to switch back i think i feel like i got you to switch back you did but but i like but it was it's a because big part. of prime shootability shooting your bow their accuracy uh, we're big fans of prime they're michigan company jared's shooting the nexus four. four i'm shooting the nexus two this year go check them out g5prime.com jim and georgia from bivouac bow co make some beautiful bows everything from three-piece takedowns to one-piece wood bows uh, everything's really beautiful Made in Michigan, go check them out, bivouacboco.com. We, uh, we're big GPS map users on our phone. Um, I get tend to get lost a lot, and Jared, can't, tend o- to get lost J- a lot. Jared can't always be next to me. When you don't have Jared with you, you can have a little Jared in your pocket. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awesome platform. We know the guys. They're local here in Grand Rapids. And you can actually download other apps, stand locations, plot locations, whatever pins that you have, you can download them onto the HuntWise platform so you're not, you can, give you it a try. can just hit the ground and you're not losing your research. Yeah. So go check this app out, HuntWise.com. You know, I was actually asked this weekend if we weren't partnered with Vector and like I had to shoot a different arrow, would I shoot Vectors? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I said, yes, of course. Yeah. I love them. I shoot extremely accurate with them. I've never broken one. Yeah. And the sweet thing was is you pretty much just tell Isaac and the guys over there your draw length, draw weight, and I think your tip weight. Your tip weight, and they have a – And then you customize the whole thing. And you they can do it right tip, online. cut, and everything. You don't have to mess with the bow shop or anything like that. Check these guys out, VectorCustomShop.com. For 10% off your order at checkout, use TFC10. Good luck out there. Shoot straight. All right, you, uh, Travis. Thank you for for calling, and you want to just jump right in? No, I, I was listening to your 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 interesting uh, little little bits and pieces about Pika. Yeah, I don't. I've never heard of I this was, before. I was telling Mark of a, we'll just call it a condition that James has. I no, I'm not going to say what it is. Oh, I, come I, on, I won't say what it is. Don't worry. It's a diagnosable condition. I I'm think, messed I think, up. Apparently, I think it is, man. Yeah. Does that make me stronger? Like, you know how? Think about it this way. Uh, Daredevil, the superhero, was blind, but then all of his other senses were better. Does this make me better than everything else? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. No. One thing I'm not good at that I've maybe done once or twice in my life that I really want to start getting into a lot more, though. I I have a lot of jokes that I can say right now. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Bird hunting. Bird hunting. Ooh. Yeah, bird hunting. It's one thing that I just have very much enjoyed every time I've gone out. You were just telling me you have chucker hunted before. Well, it was more like, hey, we're going to just stay here. We're going to go drop these birds off in different (laughs) locations on your trail. (laughs) And we just want you to walk the property and just. So it was real tough. You earned that hunt. Yep. This, this seems like uh, how most of your bird hunts go, Jared, from what I've, what I've gathered <laughs> in my, you know, my recent true. history. Should, we, should nice. we remind everyone listening and Travis about who was the only person who got a public land tom this year? You did. Must be nice. No, I'm, I'm, not, ta- I'm not talking trash to, to Mark thing, at all. I'm it's more not, than tra- I'll talking say trash this. to James. I'll say this about your, your public land turkey, all right? So you <laughs> shot a turkey this year. At a spot that you have a, you have literally piled up logs from years ago, you found it. Now, that was initially a good find, but now that you go back every year and no one else hunts it, what's the difference between private land and public land in that situation? Like, literally, it's the because same one spot you go over. You don't go to because new spots. Because I could, I could show up 
and have another person there. Every year, I go to a new spot. I'm walking around. I'm learning the woods. I'm learning what turkeys are about. <laughs> and you just go plop your fat butt down and just watch as you know turkeys walk right up to you. Just poke it and just, just hang out. All I'm saying is I, you're more than welcome to hunt there. No. No, it's not right. It wouldn't be right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have uh, you know, all the experience. That I put in just walking <laughs> around. You're calling not experience getting experience turkey. But anyway. All right, bird hunting, though. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> little we, birds. Yeah, little, little, little birds. Littler birds. We have Travis Warren on. I actually, Mark, first of all, we should say. Welcome back, Mark. Mark is going to be joining us in the podcast. Uh, we've been working on this for a while, and finally we're actually getting it going. It was supposed to happen when we were all going to be remote. All right, at this point in my life, should be not homeless. Still am homeless. Yep. Um, and so I am still recording here at Jared's house and, but anyways, we brought Mark on. So Mark's going to be kind of adding in a unique perspective. We talk a lot about public land. Mark does a lot of private land and public land hunting, but he actually, you know, he knows a lot more when it comes to growing a food plot, for example. Yeah. Um, didn't stuff like just that. throw seeds out there? I think you just throw seeds yeah. out there and let nature take its course. Throw them down. Seed is cheap. Yeah. Seed Throw is down. Cheap. Must be nice. Yeah. Uh, no. So anyways, Mark, I'm like always glad you're here. I wish you were next to us, but, yeah. um, you know, this is good too. Pleasure to be here. Um, glad to be back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Travis Warren. So the, the man of the hour. Oh, um, Travis, you're still here. Hey, buddy. Hi. I'm, uh, just, I'm, I'm here. I'm hanging. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. So Travis good. is uh, famous for his chucker pursuits. Travis, you want to introduce who you are um, and kind of what your thing is? Uh, you're doing a great job. She likes to chucker hunt. You're doing wonderful. <laughs> That's a stretch. <laughs> uh, I, you know, where to start? I, I, I'm a guy. My name's Travis Warren. I live uh, out in just outside of Reno, Nevada. Uh, I host a podcast called the Up Chucker Podcast, which focuses specifically on the pursuit of chucker hunting. And I have a blog called upchucker.com where I get to write and sort of share and mix uh, both passions of, you know, doing the show and writing. Yeah. Uh, man, I, I've been doing it for, this is uh, going past three years now. It's, it's been a lot of fun, yeah. opened up a lot of opportunities. Uh, great example, obviously, is being on uh, your show today. So that, that is really the Reader's Digest Kind of brown, uh, he's kind of brown nosing you right there. Yeah, See that, Jared? I gotta yeah. wipe that off. That's right. right. <laughs> Travis, yeah. where is home base for you? Uh, just outside of Reno, Nevada. Out, and so if you think about on a straight shot, it's two hours east of Sacramento, California. So okay, I was uh, I was just, just in, south of heaven. I was just in uh, Nevada. I did. Are the uh, the salt the Bonneville salt flats? Is that in Nevada? That's in uh, or Utah. That's Utah. Okay. Anyways, we spent an, uh, a, a night in Nevada in the mountains. Great call, by One of the uh, most beautiful campsites ever. Everybody thinks of, like, you know, dry, flat desert, which there is a lot of that in Nevada in the south. But where I was in the mountains, it was, I mean, it was phenomenal. It snowed on us in May. I think when, when we camped, I think it was okay. May. Um, saw a bunch of mule deer. I mean, it was just, like, and I woke up in the morning to turkeys gobbling all, all around my campsite. It was a beautiful thing. So Nevada is a beautiful state. Well, I think what uh, most people realize, and that's a good point you bring up, is that Nevada actually has more the most the most mountain ranges, yeah, in the contiguous United States. Really? So yeah, yeah. I did not yeah, know. I've that. heard this. Well, and the most public land, or one of the more pub, one of the most public land, I think, not the most. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, pretty high. I mean, I, I I'm not sure any. I'm really not sure of the stats for the other states, but. I know that we're 87% public land. That's amazing. Oh, it's massive. Yeah, that's massive. That's insane. So, obviously, chucker hunting and chucker hunting and public land is really synonymous with each other. Right. And I think that that's something that I, I try to state quite frequently because, you know, you really can, especially in Nevada, you really can pretty much go anywhere and hunt these birds and do it on public land. Yeah. It's actually very rare. And I actually can't think of a time where I have ever found myself on a private piece of property um, ever hunting chucker. Right. So that's funny. That's interesting because, I mean, chucker to me, and there are a lot, there are a few birds like this in my mind that, like, if you're chucker hunting out west, like, that's an adventure 
It's not like a walk through, you know, which is not bad, like walk through a field, like a grouse or something, or a pheasant. It's like very different. Is that what got you hooked? Is that why you've decided to make like, I mean, of all the things you could do, you're the chucker guy. Chucker. Hardly Chuck, knew I her. was waiting for you to make that joke. <laughs> chucker, yeah, I hardly know her. Every yeah, time. What? Sorry. Anyways, is that is is that adventure like you know it's it's funny to think, um, you know, of all the animals, everybody kind of hones in on their thing, and you you landed on chucker. How'd you get there? I mean, the, the easiest answer to that is I was introduced to it by my father-in-law. Um, I, I didn't grow up hunting, didn't really have any exposure to hunting. Uh, I met my wife, and my father-in-law used to raise chucker and pheasant. And I mean, really for him, he had a, a bird dog and he, he was really into chucker hunting as a, as a younger man, as his dog passed away, he kind of got out of it. But that guy only talks about hunting and fishing. And I grew up like skateboarding and racing dirt bikes. Nice. And so when I started dating his daughter, which is now my wife, we had nothing in common and nothing to talk about. <laughs> so I started, uh, kind of just taking a keen interest cause I wanted a guy to like me. So, uh, I started taking a keen interest and kind of learning about it and, and, I ended up meeting a buddy who lived down the street from me, and he actually took me out on my first chucker hunt. My dad actually, my father-in-law, actually gave me my first shotgun to go. And I still have that and still use it from time to time. And that's, that's kind of where it started. Yeah, that's kind of where, yeah, kind of where it started out. And what I realized when I was out there was that I mean I've always been active and I've really enjoyed you know hiking and being out in nature. I mean all sort of like the generic sort of things most people say. But what I really realized was that it was something that was really hard and something that continues to be hard to do. And so there's never instant gratification and there's never um, it's never a sure thing. And I think that that's what brings me back is that the recipe could be the same, but the outcome doesn't always end up being the same. And so because there's always let's think about it's like kind of like golfing, I suppose. One day it could be great and you could be on fire and the next day you could do everything the same and you could suck. Mm -hmm. That's the best and thing you said <laughs> throughout the night, I think. Yeah. That's so true. It's so true. That's true. That's shooting a <clears throat> recurve for me. I'll have yeah. that sometimes shooting I tread. And I don't think people re kind of realize that enough. That you will have bad days. That's going to go great. And you're going to have good days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Did I say that backwards? No, you said it right. Did I say it right? Okay. <laughs> so, so I didn't mean, I mean, I didn't mean me to interrupt. Yeah, no, I, I should. I don't care. Uh, for me, it's just a matter of it, it's, it's continually something that no matter how long you do it, you'll always get better at it. And so there's always opportunity to learn and grow uh, and, and to, to learn more about the habitat, the species. Uh, I mean, yourself for, for, for crying out loud. I mean, why you're out, you know, why one day you got the shanks and why one day you don't have the shanks. I mean, it's, there's some personal perspective that comes in and some sort of interpersonal growth that happens when you're out uh, in the mountains um, by yourself most of the time. Um, you know, sort of having to, I don't know, with, with, for lack of a better way of like, over, trying to maybe not overstate it too much, but it's just a challenge. And yeah. so you're always to adapt, learn, grow. Um, it's a self-reliance, I think, because you're, you're out there and you are in charge of your own success or not for the most part, or at least you're part of it. And you're on your own, like, like you said, when you're on and it's quiet. You're on your own. You're do. You're kind of facing a challenge, and you're just in a beautiful spot. Um, I feel like those are all the ingredients for like a pretty, I don't know, something that's good for your soul moment. You know. Uh, no, it's it's a, it's a very centering uh, moment for me. You know, it's 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 when you're out there and you're, uh, it's just you know, it's just me and the dog, and it's quiet, yeah. and there's no around, and then you just there's just times where you just stop for a second and turn around and just sort of appreciate where you're at. Uh, I think for me too, there's a, there's a sort of a deeper sense of appreciation. I mean, uh, not to go too crazy and over dramatic, but again, but I mean, when I was, so I'm a childhood cancer survivor. Hmm. So for me, you know, um, one of the things I, I learned as I got older was that my lungs actually didn't develop based on chemo and radiation sure. to the same capacity somebody my size should have. But I can still do this stuff. I can still go out. I can still hike for miles, spend all day out there uh, and do the things that there's many people who wish they could that can't. And so I think there's a I think there's a, a centering force in realizing that I can still do stuff that a lot of other people can't do. And I can do it to a high level. Uh, so I do appreciate that. And I appreciate the time away 
you know, I've got two young daughters, I've got a wife, I've got responsibilities at home. And so just being out there too, man, it's, it's, uh, it's not lost on me yeah. you know, how fortunate I'll do that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think, uh, that's, that's an interesting perspective. Cause I mean, it's a challenge that you can take on that you've done well and ha- you haven't been slowed down by anything in the past. It doesn't sound like, or, or has it been more difficult? No, no. I mean, no, I mean, to be honest with you, the only, the only way I really discovered it was really because I have to go yearly physicals for work, you sure. know, and and so that's the only way I actually discovered it. So I, had I not had that inside, I would never have known any different. But huh. but I mean, it does, you know, not that it obviously doesn't hinder me, but it's something that now you have now that I'm armed with the knowledge, I think it's a deeper appreciation for absolutely being able to do anything uh, to a high level. Yeah. So yeah, man, it's 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 an enjoyable it's an enjoyable thing when you, when the recipe works and everything comes together and you find birds, dog points, the dog holds, you get up there, the birds flush, and you get a you know you get a bird or two, and the dog retrieves it back to hand, and it's just this is like a little symphony, man. You yeah, know, it's a beautiful it's, thing. thing. You figured it out. We talk about it a lot when you when you we have that we're like as as into chucker you are we are into whitetail hunting. I mean, if we're from Michigan, that's what pretty much everybody you know, that hunts does mainly around here but there are times and we've talked about this in the past where you spend you know the summer scouting you spend you know times uh, scouting and finding this spot and you spend time getting out there and in it like you're like the wind's perfect this is where they're going to come this is how it's going to go and when that happens it's just i mean mark had that happen this past weekend it just is and then you pinwheel them i mean it's great <laughs> and, and right like it, it feels like everything comes together and like it's it's just how it was meant to be yeah man it's it's fun stuff i mean it really is it's enjoyable you see stuff that you know had you never left your couch you never would have seen yeah you know that's the cool thing too i think the other thing for you know the other thing is that i've discovered portions of the state and other states that i never would have seen sure had it not for the fact that i was out there chucker hunting so that's pretty i mean and that's pretty cool and i and i do I, i you know i'm very conscientious of that too when i go out there is it's it, it really fuels the adventurous uh, aspect of my soul. I and I think it, I think that that's probably one of the key things that diff, that really defines a chucker hunter is that they're they're adventurous. They go, they look for new things. Sure. They're they're trying uh, different things, or they're going to places they've never been before. And I think that that's a very uh, one of the main traits or characteristics that you find of, of a chucker hunter. Yeah. Uh- now I want to ask a little bit about. I'm now. I'm, I'm very curious about how you go about chucker hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, right, you you bring your dogs out. I've never chucker hunted. Yeah. Right. Where you? My the big thing that pops in my head is you know I've done a lot of hiking out west and mm-hmm. spent a lot of time out there like, just hunting going? out. But like, where do you where are you looking for them? Like, what's your when you are pulling up hunt wise or uh you know whatever your app, your map app is like what are you looking for in the terrain? How are you picking these spots to go check out? You know, everything in life requires water to survive. So it's always easy to start looking for, uh, you know, perennial water sources. Yeah. Uh, that, that's probably if you're new to it uh, or looking for new spots like I do throughout the year, that's primarily what I'm looking for first and foremost. Even if that's a, even if it's a water source that's there semi-annually mm-hmm. until the rains come. and uh, but, but something where there's water. And then from water, I'm looking for, I'm really looking for the terrain. And, and you know, one of the things with terrain is that it needs to be relatively steep. So canyons, mm-hmm. cuts, draws, uh, areas where there's rim rock. So rim rock is, uh, rim rock is, I don't know if you can see the picture behind me, yeah. but it, it literally is just that. It, it's 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 rock outcroppings that line the, the ridges and yeah. the sides of mountains. They use that for, for areas to, to, to escape, to... Uh, to roost, to sleep at, and just you know, really for safety. I call that a cliff. Yeah, it looks like a yeah. cliff to me. <laughs> to me, that's a cliff. Uh, we're not too bright here from Michigan. Mm. We don't see a lot of things like in what you got in the background. Yeah, the, and they'll kind of, and they'll be plateaus. I mean, if you get into a deep river valley, um, it'll be more pronounced than others. Um, sometimes they'll just be, you know, big piles of rocks on the mountains. I mean, something like that that can provide some them some shelter. And then you're obviously going to look for feed. You know, the one greatest thing about Nevada is that it's pretty well, for the most part, unencumbered by masses of trees. Yeah. Uh, because it is the Great Basin, you are 
in sagebrush country, you know, juniper trees, more low high, low, 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 lower trees. Um, you know, when you get up into some of the bigger mountains, like around Ely or Elko, when they have some more of the pines, it's traditionally not where you're going to find chucker anyways. So with, with chucker primarily, they're, they're obviously, they're very tied into cheatgrass because uh, that's a food source for them, especially through the wintertime. Um, so cheatgrass. So you're, you're able to look out across these vistas and you can see, I mean, you really can pick out with the naked eye areas that might be prime target areas. You can see where green up happens on the side of the mountain from, you know, a mile across the valley. Yeah. You can likely see where there's a water source because an area looks more, um, more succulent, you know, yep. than other drier areas. So it's, it's actually not hard to identify areas where, you know, something living is going to be close to, um, you know, my brother was just, uh, my brother lives up in Washington, was just on a Olympic Peninsula uh, elk hunt. Nice. And I've elk hunted a few times out here in Nevada. It's one of the things I love the most is backpack hunting for elk. Um, and he was sending me some photographs of just the, just the terrain that they were in. And I mean, you can't see the 25, 30 yards in front of you. It's yep. so thick, yep. you know, and so there's, for me, when I go up there and I, and I'm, and I'm driving through, you know, Western Oregon, it's very claustrophobic. Sure. It's just not here. You can walk out and you can see for miles, you know? And so it's real. it's literally a jungle up there. I was just there. It was, it's, it's a jungle. I saw an elk that I thought was a moose cause it was wading in water up to its back. <laughs> and it's like, it just was not a place you tip Like when I think of elk, I think of more your background than like mm-hmm. living in a jungle, you know? Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's different. So, uh, you know, you can look across and you can see, you know, you're looking for water, you're looking for some steeper elevation because they'll fly, they'll fly away from danger or they'll run uphill. Uh, okay. Traditionally, those, those are the two ways of, of escaping uh, attacks or danger. Um, you don't want to look for some grasses, things like that, that they can feed off of. Um, and then, I mean, really at that point, then it, it's really boots on the ground and seeing what you can do to find them uh you know the the motto that that we have is you know it's just one more ridge over yep mm, of know, course have, don't tell him that. that that's my life mantra right mm. there that's how i live life just what what's over there you know exactly yeah so it's i'm a natural chucker hunter you hear that yeah you probably are i wander a lot <laughs> but the problem with that is at least for deer hunting i'm always like well this is a good spot but I bet you if there's even a better one over, you know, over the hill. And I just am unsettled. And, and you have to know how to get home, James. Oh, I'm going to get – well, that's the other problem. Mark with the chime in. God, real nice, Mark. But if you're a wanderer like I tend to be sometimes, yes, it is helpful if you know your directions. So I don't have any of that. So I'm – I mean, I, I get – I take the long way home on occasion. Man. Freaking Mark. No, maybe not. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know what though? I have I always now that I have apps, I've got a map that just you turn on the tracking feature, you'll find your way home. Mm-hmm. Although we did just I did take the long don't way. Don't put those nights, me into there. A couple nights ago, you, we, we were meeting back in the truck, and I tried to go around. You went an extra half mile. I went long. way around. Well, which is to him probably not a big deal, no. you know, being out west. But like a half mile through like swampy is is a long half mile through jungle. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we go out. He's like, hey, he texts me. Hey, can we go out? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to bring my daughter. You know, she really wants to go. So she keeps, she hangs. She She's does stuck a good, with it. She's prob- a trooper. The problem, though, was the first, was that like at least 100 yards? Easily. 200 yards of swamp up to my knees. So Bog. I didn't even have. It looked like we were just doing like a, uh, like an astronaut walk where you kind of like sink in. Yeah, dude. I was muddy from he- my, and then the rest of the day I'm just sloshing away. But so I'm carrying her, my nine-year-old, my bow, my all my stuff on my back, and I'm just sloshing through. But so I tried to avoid doing that on the way on back. On the way back, but you didn't. I avoided. It was a lot less swampy, but, but it was more. You have to crawl, <laughs> <laughs> and you don't like that either. <laughs> if you had known you had to go an extra half a mile out of the way, yeah, or just cross the. The fifty yards of swamp water in the what? dark, go yeah. around for sure. With yeah. you know, it was re- I was sore from from that. That was that That's was true. a hard. I was carrying your bow at one point because you were. I almost went down. Eighty pound daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, you've lost. It sounds like you've lost the strength of your single dad arm. The, dude, the, 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 
He never had strength. one. Uh, it's real. Never the problem was it's this is the str- strong dad arm. This is the arm I had her in. I want to. I'm trying to even out mm. to have two dad arms. Smart, you know. I've got dad reflexes. <laughs> I've caught her falling off stuff. You know how you just kind of catch your kids somehow. Like when they're little. Yeah, it's all of a sudden they fall and you're just like, oh, okay. Apparently I have a superpower now. And then you look at your wife and you're like, see, yeah, that see? just happened. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Travis is Chucker like the bird of the region? Are you bumping mm. into anything else while you're out there, sage grouse or anything like that? I'm just not familiar enough with Nevada and what you guys have to offer. I mean, clearly you've made a name on on Chucker. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's yeah. There's I I, I can't remember. I think it's something like there's 12 different species of birds that you can hunt. I want to say is that yeah. I think there's 12. A couple of years ago, I tried to do the Nevada Slam. Um, I tried to get every bird. Nice. Um, it just, believe it or not, it was sage grouse, and that was my undoing. Which you know, <laughs> explain explain the what part. the Nevada Slam is for that. Then I have no idea what it is. Uh you know, and I and I, I might be incorrect in thinking there's twelve, but so it's fine. Um, we don't know the difference. The blue jay, I would imagine, <laughs> is on the list. <laughs> the robin, because I've always wanted to shoot one. <laughs> So there was, uh, yeah, so essentially uh, for my friend Matt, Matt Harding and myself, um, we, uh, we started the season off strong with uh, scoring another Himalayan snowcock, which is, I mean, if, you're, if you want to talk about. Uh, Don't earn a dictionary that, by the Mm-mm. way. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Oh, you got to clear your browser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry. Uh, that's well, good. you just can't chuckle. You know, it's like it's like when your kids fart in front of you and you laugh and your wife doesn't laugh. It's still funny no matter what it is. It's a always. A fart yeah. will I never have... not be funny. Sorry. I will fart. say this just just to go. I don't mean to go off track, but but uh, ornithologists are those bird people. Ornithologists, I believe, yeah. they're pervs. They name they have some pervy name for birds. Just look through your a bird book sometime, and they have some pervy names. Is all I'm saying. The tufted titmouse. A lot of that kind of stuff, yes. and I, you know. Whatever. I mean, they're bird people, so I, I don't know. That was pretty funny when I was younger. Yeah, I did a little too. Titmouse. Anyway, so you, so the slam. You've got the uh, continue. I didn't. What was the first one again? It was so dirty, I forgot it. Something white. Himalayan snowcock. Snow <laughs> <laughs> of course, Mark remembers that. Yeah. So. All right. So that's one. Yeah. So uh, that there's chucker. There's rough grouse. There's the two subspecies uh, or genuses of, uh, of blue grouse here in Nevada. So there's dusky and sooty. Ooh, uh, that's cool. The, what did I say? Sage grouse. There is mountain quail, gambles quail, valley California valley quail, um, Hungarian partridge. Um, yeah, and uh, gosh, what is um? I don't know, that sounds pretty good enough. That's, I, I, like I was gonna say good. that's pretty that's good. Well done. And well I have done. to ask yeah. now. You you eat them. Right. I mean, you eat all these birds. What What is the best and what is the worst? I, I've mm. I've got an idea of what I think might be with the worst, but I want to hear you answer first. The best tasting bird, uh, in my opinion, is either your blue grouse or uh, your Himalayan snowcock. Yeah. So by far the two best tasting birds I've ever tasted. Uh, the worst tasting bird, I know you would think it's probably sage grouse, but I, yeah. I don't I think it's how you make it. Sure. And I think it's you because I had a, a question came up too recently and I think a lot of it, no different than deer uh, yeah. or, or any ungulate. A lot of the times, uh, probably more specific to antelope. Uh, most people say, ah, I don't like antelope because it's gamey, quote unquote gamey. I think a lot of it is just how you handle your meat, how yeah. you take care of it, uh, how quickly you can get that cooled down and off the bone. Um, so I think a, a lot of it is really just in terms of how you handle it. Uh, the first time I ever tried uh, sage grouse, I'll admit, man, I thought it tasted like shit. Uh, but the more Honesty. I started, yeah, yeah. the more I started, the more I started hunting them uh, and actually taking care of the meat and stuff like that. I actually, I, I really enjoy it. It's, uh, it's not, it's not. I don't. It definitely doesn't taste the same way that I remembered it the first time I tried it. Sure. So, um, is it though? Yeah. So I, I do a lot of. I read a lot of like old hunting books I'm, mm-hmm. and I've been reading through a couple of Teddy Roosevelt's and he talks about them a lot. He talks about how they taste different at different times of the year. Mm-hmm. Like 
apparently, I think it was later season in the winter, if they don't taste good, because when he would be hunting, whatever he would be out hunting, that was like his pot meals. You know, he'd go and pop off a, a grouse or two. And he said something about a different time of the year. And I, I've been meaning to ask you, is that a thing or is that just, you know. Teddy Roosevelt said it. Why is it not I don't a know. Thing? He said some also questionable things about Native Americans <laughs> and Chinese people. So just like take it with a grain of salt. You know what I'm saying? You can't. He's, it's not gospel. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? So I, I read that and I'm like, I've never done this before, but that's interesting. You know, um, the seasons are really short and this year it's, they're incredibly short. They were only, I think the longest season was only seven days. Okay. All uh, right. They being two. And so, uh, and that's new for this year, last year in some specific areas, uh, they were up to two weeks long and actually okay. in, in an area. The, the closing of sage grouse would be would coincide with the opening of chucker so i had a specific spot where i could hunt both in the same mountain so that was kind of cool that's cool but uh yeah, they've, they've sort of shut well they didn't they they've shortened the season so i don't know i couldn't tell you if them in spring taste any different than them in fall because there's just no opportunity the hunting laws were a lot different back then mm-hmm. you know <laughs> poisoning wolves on the plains apparently that was cool for a long time uh not so much anymore um yeah, that's interesting. So, so you you didn't list Chucker as a best or worst. Where does Chucker rank in there? I, you know, I use Chucker. I use just subs. I mean, you can basically just substitute, in my opinion, for for Chicken. what you would use. For. Yeah. You know, you make Chucker nuggets. You, what I'll generally do with the bird is I take the entire breast cavity and the legs, and I'll and I'll wait until I have a bunch of them, and then I'll put them in a slow cooker, and then I'll slow cook it down so I can pull all the meat off. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll just use it for, I'll make chucker enchiladas, chucker tacos, chucker chili, um, you know, chucker pasta. I mean, really, it just whatever you would use chicken for, you just use chucker. Because it, it's a white meat. Yeah. It's a white meat, so it doesn't, I mean, it has, it can at times take on the perceived taste of how they smell. Yeah. Uh, and, it, you know, that's really, in my opinion, just how you how you handle them, how quickly you probably get them cleaned out. I feel like I get uh, that with eggs sometimes that are farm fresh eggs. It's sometimes they have a little bit of the taste that they I kind of smell like. I love them. Huh? Like I you feel smell like smell like eggs. No, like chickens. Like if you eat an egg, it smells like kind of like. Oh chicken. yeah, I can see. You that. know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that doesn't bother me. Or like pigs. Have you ever been around <laughs> pigs? I can yeah. taste that in pork sometimes. Yep, I can too. Yeah. So I mean, it, they're they're a great eating bird, you know, and and they're. I mean, if you get a couple of them, you know, you're definitely good for a meal. I mean, it's like a Cornish game hen. So, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a little decent size for your meal. Um, yeah, I mean, they're great. I mean, I, you know, I, I'll just seal a meal them and I stick them in the freezer. And then, you know, I, it's for me, it's really enjoyable to bring out when I have people over that have never experienced checker before yeah. and just whip it out. <laughs> and hey hey easy. hey hey, hey. Yeah. I, know, right? I didn't Game even say, any, I didn't even say anything this time that wasn't even me. your himalayan white guy no. <laughs> uh and uh make it you know and then they don't realize what you're what you're actually serving them and then you, you have a cool conversation about it yeah so i, I love that i love serving people uh mm-hmm. game that i that like you can tell so i shot this and here's what was happening and yeah, then you, you tell, tell the, the story. whole story I've I, I found more and more, and I didn't think about this as much until we started doing podcast stuff, but like, what do I like about hunting? Why do I do it? And I love to tell the story of a hunt, whether it's successful or not. I love to hear people telling stories. That's why I say I read a lot of old writing of hunts because they just spend a lot of time like telling a good story. And mm-hmm. that, that's, that's one of my favorite things. I mean, I love to eat it. I love the challenge. You know, that's very high for me. But story might be the trump, like just coming back to deer camp and hearing like the crazy adventures everybody goes on in the day, or lied about, or lied about, or lied about, or lied yeah. about. Yeah, I don't know. Still, still fish stories, mm. right? Know? But I think that gets into like the adventure side. Like the story is because you all the every time you go hunting, you see something. I tell, I was just telling my daughter this when we were going out. You see something new. You see something that you can like learn about nature, not even related to hunting. Um, how maybe this animal acts or what these birds do or what that tree is like at this time of year. Um, and all these, so every time you go out, it's like, even if you don't see anything, still it's learning. still pretty cool. It's just fun to watch. Like I, I bear hunted for almost a week 
Eight hours a day. I didn't see a single bear. All The only animals I saw were chipmunks and squirrels, which was, okay, you know, watching those. But I saw a couple times uh, a raven fly by and kind of land and, like, mess around in a hawk. And that was really it for the whole week. Still was very entertained, and I feel like it was worthwhile just being in the woods like that, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, my wife got tired. I got a buddy named Alaskan Terry. And, uh, he's <laughs> Great a- name. What a name. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, Alaskan Terry is uh, <laughs> yes. Alaskan Terry is an engineer by trade and, and an analytical guy by nature. Sure. And he, we would sit there and we would rehash, uh, you know, the story of one of our of our hunts every time we got together. And my wife, I, I think she was pretty well uh, over the story mm-hmm. because we would talk about it and there would be something else. We'd go, Fuck, yeah, we yeah, that's right. We gotta yeah. That, and we would go off on a tangent and talk about that. Uh, when I met Terry, when I met Alaskan Terry for the first time, I was on a backcountry elk hunt uh, with my other buddy, Lee. And I had the most inferior gear. I had my, we went out, it was, uh, so it would have been like late September and a, a snow had come in and we yeah. were out there for the end of a deer, for the end of deer, because he had a deer tag and then into the beginning of, of cow elk tag. And we had... I had a $40 Amazon mummy bag and I'm six, two, this was standard, standard height, mm-hmm. uh, bag. And I, uh, I, I said to myself, oh, it'll be, it'll be all right. I bought one of those survive outdoors longer bivvies and I just like slid it in to get a little extra 10 degrees of, of yeah, warmth. Sure. And we were up on a Ridge and the snow came in and we probably got, you know, a good four to six inches of snow. Um, and I was mildly hypothermic. <laughs> um, I was, uh, I, I couldn't get warm. Um, it was so fucking miserable. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a game. Right it was there. So, so cold. My hands, because my hand, I have an issue. I don't know what it is, but my hands, they always seem to start cracking on the fingertips. Ooh. And, oh, I, that's a bummer. And he's so got dry I, hands. We need got. to work. That's hands what you've cream. got. Dry hands. And, uh, and I, every, my fingers throbbed Ugh. and, and when it's, you know, just Alaskan Terry comes along and he's just cruising. And, um, he actually hiked out. He actually hiked out to go get me more food and hiked back in. So That's he's a like, good man. I'm going to go out and grab some stuff. I'll be back. And he hiked out nine. So it was an 18 mile round trip. And he was back by 2 a.m. And he and I remember waking up and I see this headlamp like, like, <laughs> oh, boy, I'm back. And I'm like, you just, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I, and I think after that, I was pretty well sealed on the fact that the dude was solid. Yeah. And he was out by himself. And, you know, and we ended up I mean, it was so cold out there that, you, you know, if you like somebody uh, really quickly, when three dudes share a two man tarp. Sure. Uh, in the snow. Hey, those and, two tarp uh, together, stay together. We, we've yeah. tarped together before, and it's things got real. Yeah, we have photographs. I mean, it, there was no space. I mean, it was. We have photographs to to commemorate it, and <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it was just it was it just hilarious, and just brings like so many great memories because, you know, you just it's it's really strange how you meet some really fascinating people when you're out there, and just people that you would never meet, and. I mean, they could be an axe murderer or, you know, they could be like the, just the coolest, most solid dude ever. And, you know, that's, that was what Alaskan Terry was. And, um, you know, a dude that didn't know you from Adam and had no investment in, in your success, nor you as a person was like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll be back and just cruised out. That's a good Went, grabbed dude. A bunch, grabbed a bunch of $1 fruit pies and brought them back. He's like, you got to eat these, man. Just Fast made calories. It's like we got to get your blood sugar back up, and boom, blood sugar back up. I was ready to go. And what a man! You know, yeah. you meet guys like that, but then you meet guys like the Civil War era guy we met in the woods turkey hunting. <laughs> <laughs> we're walking, we're turkey hunting. We're way out. This and it's probably sixty-five degrees, maybe seventy degrees. At it that it was point. hot for spring. It was hot. It was a warm day, so we're like dressed in appropriate clothes. This guy rolls up in just full thick. Wool coat, like inch wool and pants. a half, the, wool, the old like your, army surplus, like your grandpa's old wool coat 
with his Civil War hat. He's got all these tin pots and pans off his belt. He's banging. And he is just hiking. And we see him, and we're just like – and so we just kind of go around him. But he kept following – remember, he was just heckling us. Mm. He was, like, giving us – he's like, you guys walked through here. It, I would never have walked through here. This is why you shouldn't have walked through here. And it, First of all, it wasn't. We didn't walk through there. But secondly, he just kept telling us, like, oh, you're, you're going that way. That's the wrong way. Remember that? He, was, he like, was just upset that turkey hunters were out there. And, like, dude, I'm using a bow. I'm not even making any We noise. only had one bow. It was yeah. a recurve. Like, we're not that deadly. You know what I'm saying? He was so, uh, not friendly. No, but we have met great guys out in the woods, too. Mm-hmm. It, it's cool. It's cool when you find them. And you get it. I want to meet Alaskan Terry now. I do, too. Really bad. I want an Alaskan Terry. That's I'm your dude. Alaskan Terry, man. I'll be your huckleberry. I'm your huckleberry. <laughs> Alaskan Terry is right back out at the same spot. He texted me. He texted me last night. He was. It's just so random because the spot that he's in is called Jarbage Wilderness, and the Jarbage Wilderness is uh, is one of the remote, one of the most remote wildernesses in the in the lower forty eight, from my understanding. And they actually use that wilderness area to monitor air quality for the entire country. Wow. So, pretty. It's a pretty cool spot uh, to go into. Uh, and so he's up there right now. Uh, his deer tag opens up on Tuesday. Well, I guess I guess Tuesday is today. Is that uh, rifle? Time rifle out, time deer? out, time out, time out. I got a question yes. on that statement. What? So that area is used for the air quality of the nation. Yeah. That seems, yeah, a, one- that seems a bit skewed. Why? Because oh, you've got places like, I don't know, New Detroit. York City, Detroit, L.A., Chicago, I don't these know huge that, cities. I feel like you're making an And then you're taking a sample a from – A lot of assumptions right now. Then you're taking a sample from one of the most remote places I, in, the, in the lower 48. I bet you there's a reason for that. I, so I'm it, sure it's just taking an average of all that fume and carbon and whatever. You're going to have to Google that. I would imagine what they're doing is they take a base sample, right? So, I mean, yeah. it, it'd be no different than monitoring, like, frog populations, which I believe they do out there as well. So – yeah, my understanding is that they use it as a way to, to gauge, like, base air quality. I mean, one of the places I would imagine, I can't imagine it's the only spot. But, I mean, if you look at it, you probably take different sample points from across different points, and you can sort of mm-hmm. see yeah. how pollution or how air quality or how things are, are maintaining based on these strategic points placed around, you know, a spot on the map. Yeah. I mean, I'm no scientist. You are definitely not a scientist. We need to get Peter in here and uh, talk about that. I wanted actually, because I've been looking at him the whole time, your dogs are very involved in chucker hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I just, like, how many dogs you have? How trained are How, how does that go? How, how's, how's getting that going? I mean, you said you started later on in life in hunting, like not as a boy. Uh, how'd you get it? I mean, are you training your own dogs and, and everything else like that? Mark's training his own dog. He is. That's why I ask. Uh, yeah, I'm cheap as shit. So I got to train my own dog. And <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, that was kind of part of it, man. I, I wanted to do it. I wanted to, to, to gain that experience as kind of one of the things that I was really interested in learning how to do. And I got great mentors that helped me through when I'm challenged with it, but you know, there's definitely a lot to say about breeding. Uh, my, my, my first dog, my older dog, uh, which is a short hair, um, didn't come in my opinion from a real great, strong hunting breeding line. Um, but was probably the best first dog I could have owned because in terms of just, uh, being very forgiving to a new handler and mistakes, but she was, uh, she's, I call her my 50% dog because 50% 50 of the time she shows up and wants to be a bird dog and 50% of the time, I have no idea what her agenda is. I mean, hanging out. So, <laughs> sorry, go on. So yeah. She, oh, yeah, it's it's a constant frustration. I mean, it's definitely I would say down to the down to the handler too. Um, but then you know I, I got my second dog, which is a wire hair, and she uh, I got her from a real strong breeding line, and I've probably done. Uh, a fraction of the amount of concerted effort in terms of training with her. And that dog is just lights out mm. absolutely out of the box dog. And we just got back from a week long trip up in uh, Idaho at Chucker camp. Nice. And it's just have a dog that, that just rips. Yeah. So that's awesome. Do you, you ever have moments where you'd be with a bunch of guys and there was that 50% of the time where she didn't show up and you're just like, Chucker, like, like dude, nah, I, I mean, she's a great dog. So trust me on this. 
Or do you ever have like embarrassing moments? Because I would have many embarrassing moments with my dogs in the past. That's why I gotta <laughs> ask. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like blowing points, uh, not honoring other dogs. I mean, just the normal shit that just goes down where you just <laughs> you just want to just walk away and be by yourself. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the less evidence there is you know sure exactly <laughs> mark what kind of dog do you have yeah is it how do you pronounce it is it is it a griffin griffin griffon why your hair pointing griffon oh, yeah. Cool. yeah yep yeah five five month old puppy oh yeah so well about griffons i mean I, i've had a little bit of experience just being around them you know is that they're they're a really good family dog because they have a shut off switch so they're, they're great in the field. And then they're, when you take them home and they, they, they'll just chill. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's I, the most appealing things about them. I mean, they're really sweet dogs, excuse me. And I think sometimes that's what happens with like GSPs and some of the other sort of higher energy breeds is that some of them, that, well, quite a few of them don't have a shutoff switch. So <laughs> unless you have a really uh, like diligent, uh you know exercise routine or training schedule with them it's really they can be difficult to live with uh especially if you have a small family you know a young family or you have obligations i mean they're just they're machines and you just can't you have to you got to treat them as such you got to have make sure that they get the right exercise stimulated or else you know it is it, so that's the griffons are great uh, great as like a family slash uh hunting dog because they do have that shut off switch yeah, we really got them as a multi-purpose dog, so we've got to. We never know what he'll have because he froze. <laughs> wow, what a time to freeze! No! It could, he could be saying anything right now. <laughs> Mark, <laughs> uh, I've I while we wait for him, I had to dog sit for like ten days, a couple times in a row. My wife's friend's GSP when I lived in an apartment. And it was a really sweet, nice dog, but it was crazy a lot of the time. I mean, I had to run it twice a day, a couple miles, and it was still kind of nuts. Oh, there goes Mark. He's gone. Bye, Mark. Bye, Mark. Yeah, he's gone all the way. Well, we'll keep going. Anyways, um, all right, so you – We edit these, so don't I, about it. Yeah, but I have to ask. I mean, a lot of guys – and I'm asking this to try to figure out what kind of – bird hunter you are because uh, this this actually applies somewhat to turkeys as well i'll give the, the example for for turkey hunting some guys will only shoot a turkey that they called on down off a roost comes into oh, their yeah. decoys and they, they will never you know stock up on one or do anything like that it's not they're a purist right um same with traditional archery there are guys that will only shoot split finger instinctive you know and maybe whatever arrows that they've till all their that stuff when it comes to chucker hunting, are you a purist? If you walk, if you're walking around, and you see a, a chucker on the ground that hasn't been flushed, are you shooting it on mm -hmm. the ground? You mean when I see a bird in pre-flight? Pre-flight bird, yes. Yeah. Hey, man. As far as I'm concerned, I think uh, I think it depends on at where and at what point of the hunt I'm in. Sure. If I'm in the beginning of the hunt, then I haven't earned it yet. But if I'm gone for five hours and I haven't seen shit and all of a sudden I see a bird jump on a rock and that's my only opportunity for the day, I'll take it. Yeah. Without, right. without mm -hmm. Absolutely without hesitation. So so you're situational. Absolutely. I think it's, uh, you know, just like in the other examples you gave, I think everybody sort of has their own set of there's there's overarching ethics and then there's personal ethics as to what you yeah as to how you want your hunt to look like and so at the end of the day you know as long as you're doing everything above board in terms of how the the, the greater overarching law is yeah uh, then when it comes down to whether or not you shoot a bird that's whether that's willing to that's on the ground or not that's <laughs> completely up to you so okay it's good no to know because I probably would shoot them on the ground I I think I I don't know and I would 100% shoot a turkey that I that i didn't call in 100 that was you know you're saying if you're sitting there turkey hunting and a turkey comes up behind you i would shoot it that's what i'm and saying you didn't call all day yeah i'd still shoot it but some guys wouldn't some guys would not some guys have to that has to follow their script it has to be their the thrill for them is calling it in 
getting it into range. And that, I mean, that happens with fly, like fly fishermen or traditional archers. Everybody's got like these, there are the, the guys that kind of, I mean, that's a little as, different from like snagging a trout to actually catching it in the mouth. Right. Are you talking about you foul hook a fish and yeah. now that's right. landing a fish. And I can see that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, foul hooking a fish. Yeah. I can see that that. I'm not real into uh, that. I'm not there to catch. So, you know, yeah. that's no different than like you know just trawling hooks and just throwing them out there and pulling them in exactly uh, snagging yeah and, and you know why yeah so i mean this I is the went, definition of what is fair chase what is a, the fair chase of an animal what is fair pursuit of something and that's well and i think like when you when you talk about how you guys hunt i mean i i i wouldn't even know which direction to hold a bow right. you know so for me you know, being when I do big game hunt, it's all rifle, sure. you know, so in terms of hunting, uh, I mean, you guys are probably up the ante like an umpteenth amount in terms of difficulty, uh, you know, because you've got a recurve. It puts you in what, 50, 60 yards max range. Uh, um, it would be if, about if 20 lucky. yards range. Yeah. 20. OK. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of field craft that goes into that to, to be successful, yep. you know, less room for error. And so, you know, it's just what it's, what it is you want to experience, what it is that you're trying to, to experience when you're out there. Um, you know, and I think that, uh, I think that sometimes what happens is that that comes with, with maturity, Yeah, I you know, so. and you get into it and you're like, this is something I like. And you do it in a way that is that, in, that decreases, um, your margin for error. Yeah. And then as you become more proficient in something, you do want to try and challenge yourself. And so you do try, you do set a standard for yourself. Um, and, and that's where that personal ethics comes in and that just that personal set of rules, the governing rules that you have for yourself, uh, based on how you've been doing it. But I mean, I mean, you get somebody who's done it for the, who's going out for the first time, uh, you, you cannot, I don't think it's fair to impose your own set of personal values yeah. on another individual. As long as they're doing everything ethically in terms of how the law reads and in terms of, of how, you know, animals should be treated. I, I mean, I think one of the things about hunter retention, hunter recruitment, it's no different than why they stock trout ponds yeah. for kids, yeah. you know? Because it's, it is fun to go do it. And there's an aspect of it that's enjoyable when you go out with your dad, your mom, or your grandpa or whatever, and you get to go out and it's, it's sort of what you do. But if you're going out and you're not catching anything and you have zero success, it's mm -hmm. really hard. Yeah. It's really hard to, to buy into something when, when you're not seeing an end result. And so, you know, there's a reason why, you know, like wildlife departments stock fish, you know, fish ponds. So kids can go out there and catch a couple fish and they get super stoked about it. And they're like, I like to go fishing. And the next time you ask them, yeah, I want to go fishing. And then you get this generational hunter recruitment that happens that way. And, you know, and so you take a person out bird hunting or you take a person out big game hunting, you know, you it is important as somebody who has done it to sort of help them, I think, reduce the learning curve. Yeah. Oh, I, I've been doing, I've been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu for 13 years. And, you know, my professor tells me, you know, for me, if I, you should be learning faster than I learned because the things that I learned through trial and error, and now that I've mastered, I should be able to teach you so you don't experience the same pitfalls. Yeah. So if you're really doing, I think, an effective job of introducing people, because if you have somebody that you're taking with you, essentially you've taken on that responsibility, I think you should help reduce the, the margin of error or the challenges that you may have experienced so that people can enjoy it faster. And so, um, and then again, you're obviously influencing and you're, you're really taking, I think, a very solid part in uh, making sure that you're really, I mean, developing ethical hunters, Absolutely. you know, people who, mm -hmm. well, so very, I th I think very well said, I, I, I would, I very much agree with that because the, you know, you talk about personal ethics, I think one barrier to people hunting, I've seen it specifically in traditional archery, something that I've spent time kind of getting into uh that one thing that turns a lot of people off are the people that have a set way of do, doing things like that that have no, nothing to do with actual legal ethics they are just one person's opinion about how something ought to be done mm -hmm. and when that happens you turn people away from whether it be archery or 
target shooting or bird hunting or whitetail hunting or whatever it is, if you if you don't take that time to meet somebody where they are to show them and to help them along, I mean, it's just not going to happen. Th- this past week, um, my nine year old, she's got a they're the Genesis bows. They're like uh, for young kids. They can go from you know fifteen to thirty pounds or whatever it is, right? So she's been shooting that and she's been hunting with me since she was two. I was taking her out. She's like, well, if I get good with my pink bow, can I can I go out? I'm like, no, you know what? We would we'd start you out with a, like a uh, a crossbow, right? Because that for for what you're trying to do, a crossbow is the is the right thing. I mean, you can we'll show you how to use it and everything else, and she's all about it. But if I were to say to her, no, the only way that you can go hunting is if you have no sights, you shoot, you know, there's no wheels on your bow. This is the only way to do it. I feel like, I mean, the odds of her ever actually doing it would be so much lower because it would be so much less fun. Absolutely. Well, I mean, absolutely. Because there's really, I think, well, cause how old your daughter? Nine, nine. I mean, comprehension of like, you know, I have a 10 and a 12 year old. When my daughter says when, you know, something happened a long time ago, it's like three weeks ago. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> so when you, when you put an expectation on a kid of like, you know, you need to be able to do this, their concept of time, in space is like so skewed compared to ours because they just don't have perspective. Right. So they're thinking, well, this, that's basically, it's impossible. It'll never happen. I'll just move on to something. That's like a quarter of my life. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, (laughs) it's a bigger percentage of the time that they've been in existence. So that that makes a lot of sense. No. So I I like that. I I think that's, that's a thing I think about a lot. You know, like I said, I'm not a great bird hunter, not a great turkey hunter. And so I am definitely not to the point where I'm, you know, making sure the bird kicks up or I call the mm-hmm. turkey in or whatever. Uh, and so it's, it's interesting. I've been waiting to ask you that just because uh, I've heard people talk about it in the past. Like you got to shoot them on the wing and that goes yeah. for tons of different fowl hunting and bird hunting and stuff like that. So, yeah. And I, you know, I take my oldest daughter out. I've been taking her out since she was about nine years old too. And she's been going out with the guys and she, she can hike with any grown man. Yep. Uh, and she, but she has zero desire to shoot a shotgun. Okay. So I give I give her the camera and she just walks around behind us um, and she'll just take photographs and she just thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. Uh, and then sometimes I'll catch her and she'll have a stick and she'll be like talking to herself and like she'll be off and yes. I mean, as she's out there and she's, uh, you know, she's sort of doing her thing. And it's, it's, I think for me, and I, I, I write a lot, I write about this kind of stuff on the blog because it's more, the blog enables me to write more holistically about my hunting my hunting just all the hunting that i do sure. the podcast really primarily focuses on chucker hunting but you know i talked about i talk about taking your kids hunting and things like that and some blog posts and um you know i think that for me it doesn't really matter if my kids have any interest in hunting but i do really have a I really have an interest and a very strong interest in making sure that they care about nature and they care about the earth yeah. and that they take care of it and they find value in it. And they don't, they don't think about it as a, a limited resource um, because ultimately hunter or not hunter. I mean, I just want them to care about the world around them yeah. uh, and take a concerted effort to do something positive for it, whatever that may be. Um, because ultimately at the end of the day, you know, we just have one, one earth to live on yeah, until we get to Mars, uh, but you know, that's totally different. We- <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. The beauty of it too, is that in kind of teaching them that you learn a lot too. Uh, so good example is, uh, my daughter, we camp a lot, spend at least a month in a tent in, in a year. Uh, and birds, we've been getting into just knowing all the birds by song, by song, by where you find them. We've been going through the bird book and just appreciating, like, we've got our binoculars. We do the whole thing, right? And in doing so, I've learned so much about how birds act, any bird, where they are. Um, and it's it's just been great. I, I appreciate being in the woods more now because of it. Uh, yeah. I mean, you just you, you start to recognize the world around you. I think, you know, as a parent, you know, you re- one of the things I think a lot of parents say is that when you have small kids, you actually start to uh, become reintroduced to the world. Yeah start to actually you know the the things that we would never pay attention to the rocks on the ground you know and just 
the diversity of them or the just the the flowers in your front yard you just they're there and you just you're so wrapped up in life you never pay attention to it but you know when you when you start when you have kids and they start experiencing the world you re-experience the world with them yeah and so huge value to it um if you can put a name to something you care about it more Mm -hmm. i found if i can name that bird i notice it and suddenly it matters to me here's my philosophy on that too is that i mean think about the value of zoos right think about the value of zoos yeah. i mean really what purpose of the zoo right i mean because ultimately if you're there to protect an animal you could just protect an animal and never allow the never allow people to see it yeah. right you just it, you take care of it you let it live out its life having the concept of a zoo is interesting to me because i think what it does is exactly like you're talking people who would never have an experience with an elephant or people who would never have an experience with a primate or, or a snake or something like that, they start experiencing these from a very young age and they, they, they see something that is interesting to them and they start experiencing or seeing value in it and they start seeing the value in like wanting to protect it, right? Sure. So things outside of their sphere now become important to them because I've had exposure to it. I never thought you about know, it that and, way. And so, you know, uh, for whatever you think about zoos, and I don't really have a stance on them, um, but I think what it does is it provides somebody who's from California to experience uh, an animal that they never would have experienced in their normal course of life, uh, and then maybe want to do something about protecting it or improving the circumstances of it. And, you know, uh, and I think that that's when you start having an emotional connection to things, uh, you start finding value in it across the board in life, right? I mean, in your personal relationships, when you start having, when you start connecting with somebody, uh, you're more invested in their daily welfare than yeah. you are a stranger. So, you know, that's those are the sort of things that I that I see in terms of exposure for my kids. Is you know, the more they get to see and experience, the more they will find something that they find valuable yeah. that they do take concerted effort in. I like that. That's a that's mm-hmm. a good thought. Actually, you know what? I will say I've always been not a huge fan of zoos because it just kind of gives me the weirds that these animals are in cages and whatever else. Me too. But to think about that it, that way, that's I'm going to be chewing on that for a little I while. I never thought of it that way. Uh, it's just an observation that I've made. Yeah. You know, I just, I mean, it is whether it, other people agree with it or not. It's just, I guess, just something that I've observed myself and sort of, I don't know. Yeah. So I like it. My, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know we're coming up on time, uh, but I wanted to ask you, we got, you got like a big bird hunt coming up soon, big chucker hunt, anything on the books? Well, yeah. Well, opening season, uh, opening for chucker Nevada is on Saturday. Oh, baby. Uh, yeah. So I actually just got back from a week in Idaho, uh, at a casting blast with a bunch of guys. So that was pretty, uh, that's pretty, that was, that was actually really fun. Um, that was probably the big the, the big trip that I had not anticipated. Nice. It you was, love those. Mm-hmm. You love those. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, that that was. I mean, that was like a that was a that was a rip because I I work graveyard, so I had to be back to work Friday night. So I I drove out at three o'clock in the morning, cruised mm-hmm. the eight hours there, hunt, got there by midday, hunted an afternoon, hunt haunted hard all the way through uh, until Thursday afternoon. Then hung out at the you know campfire with all the guys and shooting the shit. Then got up at two thirty in the morning and busted back and got home by ten in the morning. Ooh, and that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> took a, took a took a rest and then went to work at eight thirty at night. A rest, so. he calls it. Yeah, that, that's so, not enough to call it a sleep. <laughs> just a rest. <laughs> just a rest. Yeah. Oh so, man, you know that was a lot of fun. I've never. It's a it's a portion of Idaho I've never been to. Um, and it was, so I got to experience a whole new area the the fun challenges of going to a new spot and, and, you know, the, it takes a couple days sometimes to sort of figure out the, the flow of how things work there, what the birds do, where, where do you typically find them, what they do when they flush. Uh, and then once we sort of got that rhythm down, then it really started just getting fun. That's sweet. I've always, I've always wanted to, uh, I've always wanted to put on waders and cross a river to hunt the, you know, the, the less accessible <laughs> sides for birds. Yeah. So my buddy Brant and myself uh, threw some waders on, f- went across the river with the dogs, 
and we got to hunt the other side and we were actually the side we were hunting there's a there was a gaggle of turkey in there uh we were actually hunting the same draw for chucker where we were kicking we, he kicked one trophy bull out with four cows and another raghorn bull on the same mountain and it's just like that's the cool stuff that i would have never experienced had i not just you know not got invited and not just made the arrangements and gone yep well hey um, if, you, that- if you want to use waiters on a hunt just let us know, man. We have so many opportunities for waiters yep. and hunting. You know, we'll, we'll have you out anytime. <laughs> yeah, man. It's the first time I've ever done it. I mean, I've always thought about it. I've been romanticized. Oh, man, we should throw waiters on and go across the river. I guarantee nobody hunts that spot. Yep. It just never happened. And we were just kind of going, man, that looks great up there. And, and then we just woke up the next day and we're like, dude, we've got waiters. Let's just chuck them on and go. Love it. So we Love did. It. Awesome. <laughs> well, hey, man. worth it. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, uh, exposing us a little bit to the world of chucker hunting. Uh, I want to actually go real chuck. Jared wants to go real chucker, chucker hunting. I would like to go regular at all. So, uh, maybe I'll give you a call next time in, I'm in Nevada with a shotgun. We'll see what we can make work. <laughs> oh, Hey man, if you ever get close, let me know. I mean, it's definitely something that, you know, it starts this, uh, starts the, the second weekend of, of, uh, October and runs all the way to the first weekend of February. Awesome. So long. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good yeah. to know. Very good to know. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, hey. Got... Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah I, if you guys ever. Yeah. No, that sounds great. I appreciate you coming coming on, sharing us a little bit about uh, your life. Actually, what I, we should talk about is having how people can find you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the only social media platform I'm on is is Instagram, so you can just find me as under Upchecker. Um, and then you can go and find the blog upchucker.com. It's obviously got the links to, to the, to the podcast the podcast. You can find on any major podcast hosting site. So your iTunes and Stitcher and all that good stuff. So awesome. I appreciate you guys having me on I definitely talk more about generalized hunting than bird hunting. So it's kind of cool to kind of step away. I don't get invited on podcasts uh, very often. Sure. Um, so this is probably like the fourth time and I've ever podcast so it's kind of cool to be the uh interviewee instead of yeah, the interviewer. i know you mean no I, I like that too you were great uh you know you taught us a lot and you made me now i've got to think about zoos for a while mm-hmm. i'll be thinking about that all night <laughs> <laughs> thanks man we'll uh we'll talk to you soon all right guys see ya hey everybody thanks for listening to this episode we really do appreciate it if you want to go on to any kind of social media platform give us a like share subscribe you know it really help us out keeps the train rolling and if you guys really like what you're listening here give us a five either star way if, even if you don't like it even if you don't like review. it five stars That'd helps cool. everyone out we'll see you out there